from KQED. From KQBD Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we get the latest on the Creek Fire and other fires that erupted over Labor Day weekend. More than 2 million acres of California have already burned so far this year, and it's still early in the fire season. Then, hundreds of protesters gathered in Louisville Saturday during the Kentucky Derby to demand justice for Breonna Taylor, who was killed by police during a drug raid on her home in March. New York Times correspondent Rukmini Kalamaki has uncovered new details about the raid and about Breonna Taylor's life through extensive interviews and reviews of documents and recordings. We'll learn more next on Forum. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Record heat, dry conditions, and high winds fueled intense wildfires over the weekend, strained the state's electrical grid, and forced the Forest Service to close several national forests. The most ferocious wildfire has been the Creek Fire burning northeast of Fresno. And if you want to tell us how you've been affected by the fires, the heat, power shutoffs, you can do so now on Facebook and Twitter at KQED Forum or email us at forum at kqed.org. Joining me now is Alex Hall, Central Valley reporter for the California Report and for KQED Public Radio. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you are in Fresno. I mean, we've seen images and reports of dramatic rescues of people who got trapped by the Creek Fire. What can you tell us about the status of those rescues? Yeah, so um, we did hear last night that there was uh, 200 or so people that were still um, essentially trapped um, in areas of the Sierra National Forest where, you know, either likely campers, people were camping or backpackers um, were were caught um, when the fire started um, because of the roads are now, you know, you can't really drive out because there's fire that's jumping across the road. And um, we did hear that there were four or so locations where um, these individuals um, were kind of hunkering down with, with firefighters and first responders waiting for rescue. Um, late last night, we did hear that there were helicopters that were attempting to airlift um, uh, these individuals out of the area and here to Fresno, but that the helicopters were having difficulty because it's so smoky, they weren't actually able to land. Um, this morning, there has been reports that um, uh, dozens of people have been rescued. There are ongoing flights that are taking place uh, into this morning. We're hearing that the U.S. Navy and California National Guard are involved and um, that basically those rescue efforts um, are ongoing, Hmm. weather and smoke uh, and fire conditions permitting. So dozens have been rescued, but it sounds like dozens still remain. And of course, you know, camping is generally popular in that area, but it sounds like with the pandemic, even more so for Labor Day weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the people who I think were were really caught in the middle of this and, and, you know, it's an ongoing situation were people who were thinking, you know, I'm going to get away for a holiday week weekend. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people, and I live here in Fresno, me, people I know, camping and backpacking is how people are kind of surviving the isolation of COVID. Um, so I think you've seen people getting outside, um, a lot of people for the first time, really, in a way that I don't think we've seen before or maybe in in a long time. And, um, you know, you're seeing experienced campers, but also novice campers. 
Um, you know, a lot of the people who are now trapped in this situation were likely went into this Friday or Saturday when either the fire um, hadn't started or even into Saturday when, you know, yeah, it was several thousand acres um, in size, but that's not really a red flag for people here anymore. You know, that's kind of normal in California, yes. especially in the last like month or two. I mean, we've had smoke on and off um, for weeks in Fresno. So, um, yeah, I think it definitely probably took people some time to figure out, you know, is this um, a serious situation? And because the fire grew so rapidly, I mean, it grew exponentially from Saturday night into Sunday and then from Sunday to Monday um, that, you know, people were kind of um, unsure how serious it was until, you know, it became too late um, to get out. And what can you tell us about the acreage that's burned and, and what kind of control firefighters might have on this, if at all? I mean, I mean, as you say, it grew dramatically. Why it burned so, so much so fast? Yeah, so um, the most updated numbers we have are that um, the, the fire is now um, over 143,000 acres. It essentially doubled overnight. It's still 0% contained. Um, I was just seeing photos on social media of um, an area that I w went to and talked to people, firefighters, um, owners of a business that was still standing. They were trying to protect their, their business. It is completely burned to the ground. Um, you know, there's uh, the firefighters um, that have been giving briefings and the firefighters that I've talked to have um, talked a lot about the contributing factors that are going into this. Um, for example, I talked to a captain who was saying that, you know, there's typically three factors that contribute to this, the, the growth of a fire, fuel, topography, and weather. And fuel is a huge one in this case because this area is filled with um, dead trees and a lot of brush that, you know, as one um, bulldozer operator I spoke with yesterday described it, you know, it basically ignites and it's like a matchbook. And it's really hard to um, contain, especially when you've got this very mountainous area, um, you know, uh, the, and also with um, the wind because the wind keeps changing directions. Um, there are all of these houses and cabins and, and businesses that um, the firefighters are trying to um, protect, but um, it just, the fire just keeps expanding. And even the um, evacuation warnings, um, we've heard of new evacuation warnings and orders every morning since this started. And the line at which, you know, people are no longer able to enter and um, where they're being told to to get their things together, get their animals out, get their family out. It just keeps moving farther and farther down the mountain um, to the point where, you know, places where I was reporting yesterday, I just saw this morning that no one's allowed in there. Um, wow. So yeah. still a very volatile situation. Well, Alex Hall, thanks so much for your reporting on this and and stay safe out there, Alex. Thanks. We're joined now by KQED editor and reporter Dan Brecky. Hi, Dan. Good morning, Vina. We just got that report from Alex. Can you tell me about the other fast-growing blazes across the state that you're keeping an eye on? Well, there are a lot of them. And uh, two that have been in the news are uh, this El Dorado fire burning about 75 miles east of downtown LA. Uh, this is one that has been in the news because the fire started as the result of a pyrotechnic device used as part of a gender reveal party. Um, that fire has burned over uh, close to 11,000 acres and is about 16% contained. But there are a lot of evacuations there. And the, the real wild card 
in all of these fires, but uh, especially the ones in Southern California, is that uh, Santa Ana winds are expected to develop later today. And uh, uh, those will be very, very dangerous. Yes. And there's a real potential for a very rapid fire spread. And then there's another fire burning uh, east of downtown uh, San Diego, 25 miles east of central San Diego, the Valley Fire, burning mostly in Cleveland National Forest. Again, um, you know, very, uh, very rapid growth. It's about 17 or 18,000 acres. That was as of last night, which is the latest numbers we have. And, but it's just 3% contained and is uh, thought to have extremely high potential for, for a rapid spread. Wow. Well, up north here, uh, PG&E, worried about its power lines starting fires, began cutting electricity uh, yesterday. I don't know if that's happening down south with companies in Southern California, but can you tell us a little bit about what they're doing and how this is not related to the strain on the grid over the weekend? Well, this is a return to the public safety power shutoffs that um, the utilities started to uh, use on a on a very wide basis two years ago in 2018. And then of course last year, 2019, uh, PG&E used it, actually executed vast blackouts uh, throughout its service territory. Um, and this is basically based on the theory that in periods of high winds and extremely low humidity like we're, uh, that are developing today, and with uh, massive amounts of dry fuel available, you turn off power lines because it, in, in these kinds of conditions, there's a very high potential for uh, those power lines to, to start a fire. Um, PG&E has shut, shut off power to 172,000 customers, uh, mostly along sort of the, the front of the foothills from around Tuolumne County all the way north into Shasta County. Mm. And there are then some people north of San Francisco, mostly in Sonoma and Napa counties, uh, where um, people have also been blacked out. And, and the purpose there is, you know, PG&E knows its territory, and these are places where power lines may pose particular danger in high winds. So that's what we've got going on. And, and honestly, I haven't looked at Southern California Edison or SDG&E to, to see uh, what, what they've been doing the, the term in the way of uh, public safety power shutoffs this morning. And when you say 172,000 customers, I mean, you're talking about households, right? So this could be like up to half a million people potentially who are- Well, affected. right. Our rule of thumb is about two and a half people per household. So that could be more than 400,000 people mm. who are affected. And one of the things that uh, you have to realize is that if you're in coastal California, you're actually getting a break from this brutally hot weather today. Um, but inland, and not that far inland, it's still going to be really hot. So there are people in uh, some of these blacked out areas that have, uh, you know, are going to suffer through a, a, another long, hot day, and they will not have air conditioning. And before I let you go, Dan, do tell us about just the heat that we experienced over this Labor Day weekend. And besides, we know the, the issues that it has caused, but I mean, these records were, were crazy in some places. They are crazy in some places. It's apocalyptic. Uh, a neighbor of mine used that. And, and you know, I, I live in Berkeley and, you know, we didn't break triple digits here. But if you go down to Los Angeles, it was 121 in Woodland Hills, you know, in the San Fernando Valley in, uh, on Saturday. Oh, actually, I'm losing track of my days. It was Sunday. <laughs> and uh, 121. 
That's the hottest temperature ever recorded in Los Angeles County. Los Angeles County isn't a, a, a cool place in the interior. And so, yeah, that and then the extreme temperatures everywhere else, uh, you know, have put the power grid under strain, as you, uh, as you mentioned. And uh, again, the uh, utilities and the independent system operator that runs the grid have given uh, uh, consumers basically credit for conserving and avoiding uh, rolling blackouts this weekend. In the meantime, too, the very unusual step that happened over the weekend was the U.S. Forest Service closed national forests, mainly in the southern half of the state. I mean, this is to avoid fire starts, but also maybe people out in the heat hiking and, and not uh, realizing where they are or how dehydrated they've become. We just got 30 seconds, Dan. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think they're trying to do everything they can to avoid uh, fire starts. I mean, people start the vast majority of fires. Some, they're almost all human caused under normal circumstances. I mean, we've got lightning caused fires burning now, but um, that's what they're really worried about in, in doing that. Well, Dan, thanks so much for your reporting and for keeping an eye on all of this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Dan Brecky, editor and reporter for KQED News. Earlier, we talked with Alex Hall, Central Valley reporter for the California Report and KQED Public Radio. Stay with us. We'll be talking about what we learned about Breonna Taylor after the break. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're actually going to keep KQED's Dan Brecky with us for a few more moments as we await our guest for the next segment. Dan, thanks again for being with us a little bit longer here. No worries. So one of the things that I did want to ask you that I didn't get a chance to earlier was just if you can give us a quick update on the major fires that were burning, you know, before all of this, beginning in mid-August from those lightning strikes that you mentioned. Well, we've had these three gigantic fires, actually four um, burning in Northern Hello? California. And um, there has been some pretty significant progress made in in uh, containing those fires, uh, vast as they are. We're talking about the LNU in the North Bay, SCU in the East Bay, CZU in the uh, Santa Cruz, uh, San Mateo mountain area, and then the August complex up in uh, Mendocino, Tehama, and Glen counties. And there was one scare last night, uh, we, we still unresolved, uh, some, uh, the interior of this LNU fire in, in Sonoma County uh, flared up uh, mm -hmm. under you know the winds last night, and uh, spot fires started outside the containment lines, and that triggered some late night evacuations near Healdsburg. But uh, other than that, uh, things have been looking good on those fires. But again, we have hot weather and high winds expected through uh, tomorrow morning, so everybody's uh, on the edge of their seats there. Yes, still a lot to pay attention to, but but glad you were able to give us some good news related to those other fires. Dan Brecky, editor and reporter for KQED News. Thanks. You're welcome.